we're going to also kind of define, okay, what does the Bible mean when it talks about being a servant and uh, someone who serves? Uh, but before we jump into all that, let's go ahead and uh, say a quick prayer together, right? Good morning, Father. It is great to be here. It is great to come together as a family and just to worship you, God, that we can come and uh, be here and uh, spend this time together. And I pray that this, this time in your word can be uh, encouraging, uh, can be challenging, it can be inspiring, and that, um, that you can communicate uh, what you want uh, all of us to hear this morning, God, and that our hearts are open to hearing your, your message this morning. Uh, God, ultimately, we, we can just come before your feet this morning and just say thank you. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for loving us so deeply and being incredibly patient with us. And uh, we just uh, lift all this up to you, uh, Jesus' name, amen. Right, so it's important as we start out here that we at least kind of lay some foundation of what, what do we talk about when we talk about serving, right? So what does the Bible say? How does it define that? Um, and then, like I said, we're going to look at some, some different areas where um, uh, the Bible talks about serving. So the primary one you're going to see, I'm not a biblical scholar. Um, I'm not someone who can even tell you what that word says. Um, but when you look it up in the Bible, right, this is the primary or one of the main um, Greek words for the word servant, right? Um, and th the way it's translated in, is it's actually, it means someone who's a bond slave, right? Someone who is basically without any rights or ownership of their own, and they have completely submitted themselves to someone else. And that's the primary um, word that you're going to see when you see the word servant in the Bible. The other one you might see is this one. Right? Again, not going to tell you what that is. I can't say it. Um, but this one refers more to someone who is called to do something, right? To, to serve the poor, to be a minister, someone who's serving in that way. And so um, what we're going to look at is the first one, because it's used over about 129 times in the Bible, right? Where the other one is about 29 times. Okay, but really to sum it up, really what it means is some people, you might be called to be a servant or a minister to help other people. But we're all called by Jesus um, to have a heart of a servant, okay? So we'll go to that in a minute. So, um, what, so what, is the, what is a bond servant? What is a bond slave? Like if that's what it translates to, if that's what it means for us, that is someone who's voluntarily submitted themselves to a master. They've said, you know, I'm giving up all my rights. I have no rights. I have no ownership of property. I don't have anything, and I'm completely submitting myself to whatever you want me to do. Typically, you would see this as someone who is maybe paying off some debts that they just could not pay off, and so they would work for that person in a very subservient way. But this is challenging for us, right? The idea, I mean, obviously, even this, just the word slave or slavery in, in our country has some very harsh connotations, and it can be difficult, and we don't like saying that word. And so a lot of times you will see it translated as servant because it's a little bit easier for us to to swallow. But the reality is, the Bible says, no, you are to be a slave for Christ. You are to wholly give yourself up. And that is hard for us in America, because this is what we, our culture tells us we're supposed to do, right? We have God-given rights, and we have these freedoms, and we have all these things, and I'm independent. I'm not a slave. I'm not, you, you can't tell me how to live my life. You can't tell me, you know, that's, that's your opinion. Like, that, that is the culture we're steeped in. But that's not what the Bible calls us to. The Bible calls us to lordship. 
right? When we all became disciples, if you're a disciple today, you, before you were baptized, you said, Jesus is Lord. And that meant something. That wasn't just saying, yeah, Jesus is a cool guy. He's got some good ideas. I think I, I want to follow some of those. No, you said that Jesus is my master. Whatever he says goes. I give up all my rights. Whatever I want to do in my life doesn't matter. Whatever God wants, I'm going to do that instead. So that means wherever I live, wherever, whatever job I take, Jesus is Lord, period, above all else. Yeah. Jesus is Lord. And so this is hard. We don't do this well. I don't do this well, right? I fight with this because I have ideas of what I want to do with my life, and I, I have, you know, dreams and things I want to do, and, and those are fine. But Jesus says, but am, I, but am I Lord? You can have those things, and if they align with my will, amen, but if, what if they don't? Am I still Lord of your life? Well, so what does that look like? Well, what about that picture or video you posted online? Does that reflect someone who says Jesus is Lord and is subservient to the, the Lordship of Christ? What about in the conversations you have at school or at work? Is the language you use and how you talk to people, does that say, I am a slave to Christ? What about in our marriages and our parenting? We have all these different areas of life. What about here in the church? And how we interact with each other, does it say, I am a slave of, for Christ? Right, but a phrase we say a lot, I've said it, and I'll probably say it again, I'm just really busy. I've got so much going on. You know, we got all this stuff I'm doing. Um, and God doesn't care about your busy schedule. <laughs> He's like, I, I get that, but I said, you said that I'm Lord. So how do we make that work? So I'm going to share this, absolutely not bragging. This is absolutely a, a lesson of what not to do, okay? But for myself, currently I oversee two different ministries in this church. I'm part of the uh, Unity and Diversity team. I'm also on our, our search team for the church. Uh, I have three boys and a wife. Uh, you've probably seen us running around church trying to corral them every Sunday, right? They're getting older, right? Reps in sports. Uh, honestly, I am grateful that we missed the cutoff for basketball this winter because we have not had any practices it's been incredible but typically we have stuff going on almost every night of the week right we've got sports stuff with the kids and other activities and we've got church stuff and oh and i also work uh 40 to 50 hours a week as a cyber analyst which requires me to also spend time outside of my job just staying up to date on stuff in you know when it comes to technology um and i have a family so I need to spend time with my family. Um, and I have, we you know, I got to, we spend time with my, my parents and my, my sister's family. And, and, and in there somewhere, I'm also squeezing in time with other people, right? Like, okay, I need to get with people. I need my heart worked on, right? I need to have people in my life to talk to, to share what's going on in my life. And it's easy for me to, to, to do all these things and be like, man, I'm just really busy. But I, I also have a hard time saying no because it's like, well, I want to, there's just more that I could do. And, but I can get so busy 
doing all these things. It's like, but it's still Jesus Lord, though. That's the problem is I can get busy doing stuff, but that doesn't mean Jesus is Lord of my life just because I'm doing a bunch of stuff, right? That just means I'm busy. And so this morning, it's time to take some stock of where are we at here? Is Jesus still Lord? With all the things we have going on, right, this is a busy time of year. We're shopping for Christmas. we got all these things going on. We're putting up lights and trees, and we have parties. We're going, there's a lot going on. Is Jesus still Lord? Let's look over at Matthew chapter 7. So Matthew 7, uh, starting in verse 21 it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons and do many powerful deeds. Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you lawbreakers. Again, God doesn't care how busy we are. And the things we're doing maybe aren't necessarily bad things, they're good things. I mean, here they're talking about prophesying in Jesus' name and they're casting out demons. That's pretty incredible. I've never done that. But even then, Jesus still says, I don't know you because I am not your Lord. You have not made me the master of your life. It says, only the one who does the will of my Father. That's it. And so if we're not submitting wholly and completely to the one that we said is Lord, we'll never be able to understand what that will is. So that's the thing is we, we're like, okay, well, what's God's will? What's God's will in my life? Well, how's your, how's your submission going? Are you submitting to God? Because that's the only way we're going to discover what his will is for us, is if we're submitting to him. Because that's the warning, right? Like, hey, listen, if you're not doing this, you're missing the point. You're missing it completely. And all these things you're doing mean nothing. And honestly, we can sit here and keep talking about this subject alone. Lordship is a gigantic topic that we can absolutely talk about for a long time. But the Bible talks about other areas as well of what it means to be a servant and someone who's called to serve. So let's look over in Philippians chapter 2. Because another area that we're, we're called to be servants in is in our relationships with one another. Over in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5, it says, You should have the same attitude toward one another that Christ Jesus had, who, though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a slave, by looking like other men, and by sharing in human nature, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to to the point of death, even death on a cross. The Bible says that we are to have the same attitude as Jesus when it comes to our relationships with each other. It says that Jesus, being God, said that's not, that's not going to work. I'm going to have to humble myself. If I'm going to reach humanity, I'm going to have to humble myself. But he didn't come as like a king or a conqueror or just a influencer, whatever that means, right? He, he came not even just as an average person working a nine-to-five. It said, no, he came 
He emptied himself completely and became a slave to the point of death just so we could have a chance of connecting with God. That's the example that we're called to imitate with each other. Because he says at the very beginning, he said, you should have that same attitude towards one another. And there's a lot of scriptures, you know, that talk about these one another relationships. But I feel like this one really is foundational. That all these other one another scriptures we can look at and talk about how we should interact with each other fall back on this. Are you humbling yourself in your relationships? And would you say this describes your relationships? Would you say, yeah, absolutely, I am completely emptied myself. I have totally just given myself completely to my relationships, and I am, I'm there. Great. I'm not. That is hard. That is difficult. Because that requires vulnerability. It requires you being absolutely real with those in your life. Right? It always convicts me when I read this because this is not my attitude with relationships. I want it to be. I would love to be at a spot where I can just easily humble myself before the people and just be completely real and be completely vulnerable and say, this is who I am, warts and all. This is just the ugly truth about who I am, and let's just go from there. But that's scary, and it's hard. But that's what we're called to do in our relationships with each other, right? And it's easy for me, like I said, there's, th there's all these things going on in my life. It's easy for me to, if I'm not careful, I can go two to three weeks, head down, just living life. And I'm like, I don't think I've talked to anybody in a bit. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, I saw him at church. I don't know if I've called whoever this in the last two weeks. I don't know if I've reached out to this person. And, again, we can get so busy, and we forget that we are called to be slaves to Christ. And we are called to have that same attitude towards each other, that that has got to be the core of our relationships, not the stuff, right? Because I do stuff, like I'll help people move. You know, Dale Ringer borrows my truck every year for the crawfish boil. He's done it probably the last five, six years, I don't know how many years. I'll do stuff, I'll help people, but is that really relationship, right? Again, we can get so caught up in the activity of life and the activity in our relationships. Yeah, I go hang out with this brother, we go have you know, coffee every week. Well, what are you guys talking about? Is it just hanging out? Is it just talking about, I don't know, sports or movies or whatever? Or is it real? Are you being real with where you're at? And is that the core of your relationships? Or is the foundation of your relationships the stuff that we do together? And this can be very convicting. It's hard because you're like, well, but it's, I don't want to get hurt. I don't either. <laughs> and I have been, and it's hard, and it's, it gets harder every time. Like, I don't, I don't want to do this again. I don't want to give my heart again to somebody else who's going to probably leave at some point. But the Bible says, I know. And Jesus says, I know. I did it to the point of death. And a very shameful death of being hung on a tree. I was willing to do that for you. 
So who am I to say, well, it's just inconvenient. I don't want to get hurt again. And that's real. Don't get me wrong. That's very real. Nobody wants to get hurt. But we're called anyway to lay down our lives once again and get into relationships with each other and share our lives. And I believe an extension of these relationships is to the whole body, right? It's not just those one or two people you connect with. Those are important. Discipling has got to happen. Not discounting that at all, but this also extends beyond just these one or two relationships or three or how many you have in the body. It's about the family. Let's look at Galatians chapter 4. Over in Galatians 4, it says, but, um, but when the appropriate time had come, God sent out his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we may be adopted as sons with full rights. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, who calls Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if you are a son, then you are also an heir through God. Wait, I thought you just said we're supposed to be slaves. I don't understand. The joy of becoming a disciple is we get to join a family. God says, you're now part of my family. With all the rights within that family. But that still doesn't say, that still doesn't mean that Jesus is still not Lord. We get the benefit of being in the family, and we have an incredible family here of different people from different perspectives. But the attitude and the heart of a servant and of a slave has got to be the foundation of those relationships too. The how we serve each other individually is how we serve the church. It's not one or the other. We've got to serve each other and meet the needs of the family. You know, for me, this is a hard one, not because I don't, because I already told you I do too much. It's, it's the opposite. I see the needs of the church, and I'm like, I don't understand why people aren't doing more. I don't know if that's the right attitude to have, <laughs> but that's where my heart goes. Why aren't people doing more? I don't understand. But that's why I appreciated the feedback that I got this week. Because I think it helped me to see that, that an the answer to, okay, we have all these needs in the church and what I perceive as a, a lack of serving, um, though the answer to that question is very nuanced. It's not just, well, people just aren't serving. Clearly, they're just not doing their job. That's, that's, that's not it at all. Because for me, it, come, it comes easy in some ways where I just want to do that because that's, that's a gift, if you will. But not everybody has that. And not everybody's going to serve the way that I serve. And that's okay. But are you? Because, I think, and I think there's some different reasons. I'll share some of those with you. I think, uh, one, I don't know how well we've done a good job of just communicating the overall needs of the church. I think there's some things that are obvious. I think there's a lot of things that go on that I don't know if everybody understands what all it takes for this church just to keep rolling forward. There's a lot of needs. There's a lot. And I don't know if we've done a good job of communicating that. I don't think we've done a great job of fully equipping people. I think we've done some, and we've equipped people, but I don't know how well we've done a great job of 
preparing people to then take on those, those needs. Because I can come up here and list all these needs to you, but if you're not equipped to handle them, that, it's not going to go anywhere, right. right? So that could be part of it. I think there are some people, though, that just aren't ready, that just haven't engaged or need to re-engage with the family. And that's just, we're all on this scale somewhere. But no matter where you're at, no matter what the reasons are, the Bible calls us to serve and to serve each other. And, you know, I think as I was pulling these thoughts together this morning, um, and I've been actually talking about this with some other people uh, off and on, but I want to share something with you guys that I, that I really believe um, I would love to see for our church. Like, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a vision, if you will. It's, um, but it's, it's something that has been on my heart for a bit. But it speaks to the very core of this, of, of us being open to serving each other, serving the church, and letting Jesus be Lord of our life again. I think right now we're in a very unique position, right? There's, a lot, there's been some change in the family. And it's been hard. There's still some healing that needs to happen for a lot of people. Um, but we have a very unique opportunity right now. We get to decide what this church looks like. We do. Because this is our family. We get to decide, okay, what do we want the, what, what do we want the identity of this church to be? And there's a lot of these needs that we can meet now. <clears throat> we don't need necessarily an evangelist on staff to help start meeting a lot of these needs. You know, I think the things that come to mind are um, just getting together in small groups. Are you getting together with people and, and having real conversation? Right, we've been talking about that on Wednesdays, right? How to have conversations with each other. Very timely, and it's been really encouraging. And if you haven't been coming, please, absolutely come. It's been an, an incredible time. But that's what we need to be doing is getting back into conversations with each other, getting together and just sharing our lives with each other. Um. Because I think at the end of the day, what, what I, I want to see, and what my hope is, is that when, whoever comes in, right, whoever they are, that this isn't a fixer-upper church. Like, okay, i got to come in, i got a project. Let's, let's fix a bunch of stuff. People are a mess. Rather, what if we were in a spot where everyone was doing their part, right, like the Bible talks about, right, in Ephesians, where every part is doing their part in the church, where we are all together, we're all working together. We're all moving forward as a church. We're, we're in each other's lives. We're having discipling relationships. We are, we're meeting together. We're doing these things together. How encouraging would that be to, for someone to come and say, oh, great. Hey, they're, they're in a good spot. Okay, let's, let's move forward now. Because all of this stuff that, we're, that I'm talking about this morning, the real payoff is, well, what about the lost? What about those outside of the, the walls of the church? It's always been my conviction 
that I shouldn't have to tell disciples to go reach out. That if we are living our lives in a way where Jesus is truly Lord, I mean, he's truly Lord, and you have completely surrendered to that, and you surrender to that in your relationships where you're allowing God to speak into your life and you're allowing others to speak into your life and that you're serving in the church and you're helping meet the needs of the church and all of these things are happening, you will naturally just go out and talk to people. Because what, is, what did Jesus say in John? He said that people will know you are my disciples by how you love each other. It will become abundantly clear to the world around you when they see this in your life. You won't even really have to say much. It's like, you're like, wow, this is really cool. I don't, how are you so happy all the time? How are you, why do you do this stuff at your church all the time? Well, we do all this really cool stuff. And we do this, that. Okay, that's, I, I would like to be a part of that. Evangelism is not hard. It's an outpouring of what's in your heart. It will just naturally happen. Now, we still need to do it. I'm not just saying we just sit back and wait for evangelism just to take place. No, we've got work to do. We've got to get our lives where they need to be so that our hearts are in a spot where we just openly and easily just can share because God has moved in our heart. God has changed our heart, and we are completely uh, humble to him and saying, okay, let's just go. Wherever, wherever I need to go, whoever I need to talk to, amen, let's do it because you're Lord, because you're a master. Um, and because I have a microphone, I'm going to take a minute to be selfish a little bit, okay? And you're a captive audience, so thank you. One of these needs in the church, right, is, is kingdom kids, okay? And we're going to talk about this as an, as an example. Right, my wife and I are very lucky. Uh, we have some great coordinators um, in the Neelands and the Wisbys who help us a lot. We have some great volunteers in the church who have given up time to come and serve the kids, and I... I'm so grateful for those of you that have. Um, and um, before we get too much farther into this, um, we do actually have a message from the kids I want to share with you guys this morning. Same thing over and over. I like how they're all unique. 
Amen. Um, I hope that was encouraging for you guys because they love having class, right? There's been times we've talked about, especially like, you know, during the pandemic and stuff and even after, like, when do we start opening up classrooms? Do we need to do that? How do we do that? And we even talked with some of the kids. We said, hey, do you, you know, do you like coming to class? You know, do you, and, and they were all like, yeah, I want to get back into a classroom. We, they, they were ready to have class again they love doing that and if you have volunteered you know that that they it's crazy but it's a lot of fun and they love just talking to you about the the lessons and you can do obviously we do a lot of crafts um and snacks that's always a that's always a, a, a yes a, a big plus for them um but I'm going to be real with you guys. This last year, um, with all the coordinators, uh, we've all have had to do at least three different rotations. Our rotations are two months apiece. Um, and we had to do that because it was hard to find volunteers. And so, again, I appreciate the heart of the coordinators who said, okay, we need to fill a class, and so we'll do it again. So that's six months out of the year that our coordinators have not been in service because they've been trying to help. And, and on top of that, we also, what we do is we do group, a group class together. So if you're volunteering as a teacher, you're not really doing a whole lot of teaching. You're just hanging out and having fun because we do a big group lesson together. Because every now, every three to four weeks, they're also teaching in the big class as well as sometimes also teaching a rotation. And so this is an area where we need your help as a church. You know, I, I, um, I was looking over our, our, you know, kind of membership list and looking at all the people that are able, if we had everybody in the church who was able to do just one rotation, we could cover over a year with everyone just doing one rotation. And so I, I'm hoping that this was encouraging for you, and I'm hoping that you maybe feel your heart tugged a little bit because we need your help. Because we want to continue to have classes with the kids. They love it, and it's encouraging for them. But this is a need that we have here in the church. Um, and so we're going to be working on the, the rotation schedule this next year. We, we, we try to plan the entire year out in advance so people know what it is. So if you feel like, hey, you know, I haven't served in a while, and you would like to do that, please talk to any of the coordinators, my, myself, um, the Wisbees, or the Neelands, and say, hey, you know what, I'd like to help out. And we can, we can definitely work on that. Now, because uh, Jesus said, let the, let the little children come to me because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as, the, as, as such as these. And that's what's great about serving in kingdom kids is you get to sit down with some very pure-hearted individuals and just talk about God with them. And they love it and they soak it up. And then you have to remind them again next week. And you do it again. And it's, but it's so much fun to just see their, them light up and they just enjoy uh, the time together. And so I just want to say thank you for allowing me to share with you guys this morning. I, I hope that you feel challenged a little bit. I hope you feel inspired a little bit. Um, and let's recommit today to having the heart of a slave. To say that Jesus 
is still Lord of my life. Completely and wholly. And I'm going to then take that into the relationships that I have in the church. And I'm going to humble myself and be real and commit to having real godly relationships that encourage and inspire those around us. Amen. Go ahead and remain seated. We're going to partake in communion, and Jason Touche will lead us in that, and then we'll have a contribution, and Alex Smith will lead us in that. Let's prepare for communion and sing a song together. And Mark, thank you very much for a very heartfelt lesson. <laughs>